Mark chapter 15, verses 37. If you're there, you say amen. The Amplified says, and Jesus uttered a loud cry. Somebody shout hallelujah. Verse says, Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed out his life. And the curtain of the Holy of Holies of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw him expire this way, he said, really, this man was the son of God. Have you seen how sons of God expire? Hey, have you seen how the sons of God expire? They give up their spirits. Their life is not taken. No, no, no. They release and breathe out their life. That means they go on choice, not disease. Somebody shout hallelujah. Not car accidents. Not sudden deaths. Tell your neighbor those things will never happen to me. And say it with anger. Say those things will never happen. Don't even smile on it. They will never happen. No, no sudden death. You know, sudden deaths are not godly. Sudden deaths are not godly. Sudden deaths, even the scriptures are very clear. Sudden deaths are not godly. Sudden, you just wake up, this just died. No. That is not the portion of a new creation in Christ. No. Praise God. Father, in your hands I commit my spirit. And you, you go when you're finished. Those are my things of dying when you've not finished. They are not your portion in the name of Jesus. Not under this word, not under this ministry. In the mighty name of Jesus. We plan to live a long life. In the name of Jesus. Why? He gave us the answer. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And our tongues are not confessing death. Every morning we are speaking life. In the mighty name of Jesus. And I'll also add this. That you will, you will not look your age. No. Praise God. That I will look at you and say, are you, are you, are you 20 yet you're 40? <laughs> Somebody shout hallelujah. Yeah. Husband, start imputing that on your wives. Praise God. You look 15. Praise God. So the Bible tells us, Mark carried one of the most remarkable experience of the Gospels. And amazingly, Matthew, he speaks about the stones breaking, the tombs opening, the dead raising, the earth quaking, the what. But Mark carried only one event. He says the curtain of the Holy of Holies of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Then the centurion said, this is a man of God. Mark carried only one account. There are many things that happened that day, like I said. About seven of them, if you read them, each one. Right? From the breathing out. But, Mark carried only one event. If you go to Matthew, the earthquake comes, the tombs shake, the graves are open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Praise God. And they were seen after his resurrection. And by the way, some people think that the people who were dead and resurrected, they were seen that day. No, the Bible says they were seen after his resurrection. That means they were not seen before his resurrection, even though they died. Now there's a mystery there of what happens in there. There's something about the power of resurrection. It's amazing. There's a great revelation there. But anyway, Mark carries one account, and this is the account Mark carries, that 
that day, the curtain of the Holy of Holies of the temple was torn in two to from top to bottom. And this is a signification of access to the presence. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and 19, therefore brethren, since we have this boldness. Oh, okay, Amplified says, therefore we have full freedom and, and confidence to enter into the holy of holies in the blood of Jesus. You see what the blood is? The blood gives you what? Access to enter into the holy of holies. By this fresh, new, and living way, which he initiated and dedicated and opened for us through the separating of the curtain, the veil of the holy of holies, that is through his flesh, that since we have such a great and wonderful and noble priest who rules over house, our house, let us all come forward and draw near with true, uh, uh, honest, and sincere hearts in unqualified assurance and absolute conviction. The Bible calls it unqualified. In others, we don't deserve it, but it's available. Co co assurance and absolute conviction in, in, engendered by faith. And the Bible says in verses 23, let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess and our acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable and sure and faithful to his word. He said he was going to rise again. He did. When we have the understanding of what it means for the veil to be torn, the Bible says that unqualified assurance gives us a certain boldness before God to hold our profession sure. That when we say Jesus is a healer, he was raised from the dead, healing is a smaller part. When we say Jesus is a deliverer, yes, that's wonderful, but that's a smaller equation of the bigger picture. Somebody shout hallelujah. The bigger picture is that Jesus raised from the dead. He purchased our eternal salvation and the curtains were torn between two from top to bottom. And he said, now you have access into the hardest, the highest realm of my presence on earth. Somebody shout hallelujah. You have access now of my presence on the earth. But we're living in a time and dispensation of people who don't have an appreciation of the presence because they don't know what it means for God to grant you presence to that degree. For God to grant you access to his presence to that degree. And that is what I want to talk about tonight. That the veil being torn was guaranteed that God gave us presence, access to the presence, access to the highest level of his presence on earth. You and I have that access. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, if you are a reader of church history, right? We begin with, uh, let's begin with 1900, Charles Spaham, the fellow they call the grandfather or the father of Pentecost, right? 1900, United States. He is, he goes ahead and is a spiritual authority uh, over the life of William Seymour, then who 
is the leader of what we call the Azusa Street Revival Movement, which began in about 1905. Very, very, very strong movement. One of the most powerful movements in the history of the world. Only difference is with white people is that they document many things that many people in our parts of the world don't do document. If we were to take time to document history as we ought, the East African revival could be one of the most distinctive and power, most powerful movement that Africa has ever seen. If you're a history reader, you'll know that. Research history. There's never been a movement like the East African movement on this continent. And it was of its own thing and kind. But you see, these people took time to um, share the history of Azusa. Right? Azusa Street Revival. I think it's been one of the biggest movements recorded in history. In fact, we are, the East African movement is partly a direct recipient of Azusa. Why? Because Edward Jochash, the fellow who builds the ministry in Gahini, through whom God works in sharing the movement, and then later the Simeon Sibambis and the rest of them. This fellow who was sent then, I think, by the Church Missionary Society, he was a direct recipient of the Azusa Street Revival movement. It's amazing. So there are many tenets of Azusa that are in present-day Church East Africa, and that is something one day to talk about. You'll know why sometimes ministries are struggling. We need to learn a few things and then change a few things. Then our ministries will become more 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 distinct but that's for the bible scholar that's for someone who wants to know more than food on the table and you know water to drink then came about in the 20s or 30s i believe there was a there was a movement i think some of you have heard of called the healing revival movement all right during that time god raised people to remind and and and, and let me explain this again when the Bible speaks of reformation or a reformer's spirit, when the Bible speaks of um, the apostolic, right? Some people ask what's the difference between the apostolic, the prophetic, the teacher, the evangelist and stuff. Many people in the apostolic authority and right are usually messengers God has sent in a definitive period of time to either remind the church of something they've long forgotten or of something they have failed to fully understand. That's where the apostolic comes from. You understand now? It's more than, because when you say apostolos, which is the saint of the Lord, who wasn't saint of God, wasn't the prophet saint of God. So there are apostolic authorities in the prophetic. There are apostolic authorities in the teaching. There are apostolic authorities in the preaching. There are apostolic authorities in the evangelism, in evangelists. There are apostolic authorities in different areas. And so God always used to have apostolic processions of individuals that would set in that time to bring something. It would sound new for those of them that don't know the old, but it's simply either reminding the church of something new or correcting where the church is diverting from truth. Okay? And so in every movement, the Samos, the Pahams, the, the Smith Wigglesworth, all of them in their own way had an apostolic mandate on their lives. Are you following what I'm saying? The healing revival movement comes and God was there to tell the church, you know what? 
many people have misunderstood healing. Some have long forgotten the power of healing and the intent and extent of how, I'm, how much I'm willing to heal. And therefore, let me send this movement. The healing movement came like a bomb. People were healed. Kenneth Hagin speaks of a fellow who used to spit on people and limbs grow. But you imagine a fellow spitting on somebody, poof, and then a limb grows. And then we are still here believing God for the growth of, for the living of flu. I believe in God that my flu will heal. I believe in God, you know. I think God is bringing something. Praise God. And so, one time I was studying about the area of healing because I've been an ardent student of that. And I realized, and I shared this before, and I said that, of the, that the New Testament has 19 miracles recorded in Scripture. How many of you know that? Minus the repeated ones. So if you look at the 19 miracles spoken in scripture, seven of them are by the faith and operation of the gift and the son of God. Twelve are by the operation of the voice of men. That means for every 19 sick people, right? Twelve can be healed by faith and seven can be healed by the gift. If a man is functioning under the gift, he will heal less than a man functioning under faith. But if a man learns both to heal by faith and by the gift, that man will have a total healing. That's why I said the church is transitioning in a knowledge one day where all will be healed. Where the giftings will operate so fully that after the giftings operate, men have matured to the level of, of faith enough to get healing where the gift could not work. And also it's good news for those of you who think that because I'm not gifted in healing, therefore I cannot heal the sick. Uh-uh. <laughs> you only heal with different operations. That the gift operates differently from the work of faith, right? The gift is stirred. The work of, the ministration of faith is not stirred. Faith is understood. Praise God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. The more you feed yourself with the word and allow the word to consume you, that word produces the results of faith in your spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, then the word of faith movement comes through, right? Why does the word of faith movement come through? Through the Kenneth Hagin. It was because many were relying so much on the power of the spirit operating on the gift and they were waiting for the presence to come for the healing. Without the presence, there was no healing. So Kenneth brings the whole idea of what they call the word of faith movement. The word of faith movement was there to tell people this exact thing that I'm telling you, that the word and the spirit agree. What I can't do by the spirit operating on the gift, I can do by reason of the, uh, of, of the word of God that I've incurred in my life. And people in the days of Kenneth also in, uh, um, experienced greater, greater miracles. That man, Kenneth E. Hagen, you need to watch him yourself to see. This fellow would say, I want everybody with a short leg to come. And they would bring everybody with a short leg. And he would grow every short leg. That fellow. Now I thank God that in my earlier years I was exposed to that guy. I read his works. That I, read, I read until I know everything is written. But for me that was a very distinctive minister in his time. He had an apostolic authority uh, for his time. And then later on you know, other things come through until the Holy Ghost movement of the 1990s brought by the group of Benny Hinn and the rest of them, who partly are like Catherine Kuhlman, they're partly mourn the gifting, wait for the anointing kind, which is also okay. There are people who wait for, to feel something for the power to move, but there are people who don't need to feel. It's a knowledge, praise God. And both are important. 
But then I've seen some groups lately, like the Curry Jacks, who, uh, Curry, I think, the fellow who does the divine healing technician. I see him criticizing the gifting, and I, I feel that he should be balanced. For him, he does more on the faith, and then he thinks everything demonstrative is ungodly. But the guys of the gifts are demonstrating things he has not done. You see? So I think the church requires a reconciliation uh, uh, between the faith, Curry Black, and then the Benny Hinn things. The gift and the faith. Right? The gift and the faith. The gift and the faith. If you can't do it by the gift, you can do it by the faith. But those were simply facets of the whole life in God. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. They were not the full account of God's power. God over time has tried to explain to humanity who he is and the power that he has, the voice that he has, right? The Bible says that by his voice, the cedars of Lebanon were broken, right? You understand, his voice flattens uh, valley, I mean hills and, and, and levels valleys. That's his voice. That's the power of his voice. Things change when God speaks. But that is the same voice that comes small, slowly in your heart and tells you by his stripes you are healed. So how can you worry of the virus in your body when that same voice breaks the cedars of Lebanon? No, it has to be gentle on your flesh because if it comes in that power, your body will explode. Hallelujah. But I could not help to think for a moment, like the scripture says, that by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God and the things that are seen were not made of things which do appear. I have tried, my brain is still musing around the reality that the same word that I'm preaching tonight, the same words that we read from, the same word, God created everything you see. And it's inside you. He didn't say the worlds were framed by the words, plural, of God. No, he says the worlds were framed by the word of God. The logos of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when he says let there be light, there was a creative reality in light to respond to what, what God, God was saying. Let there be this. Let there be that. Let there be that. And everything was so. And for a moment to think that all of that life and ability and strength and potential has been put in a human being. How much are we able to create versus how much we assume we can create? Have you ever thought for a moment how much are you able to do versus how much you assume you can do? Because there's a huge, huge, huge discrepancy there. There are many people who uh, we are very, very, very short of what God has said us to be in many ways. I liken it to a story where there's a rich man and he has a thousand heads of cattle, right? And then he tells his son, one day you're going to inherit all of this, right? But the physical ones at home are five and the son has not seen the other, the other millions, right? The, the rest of them. And then he probably has a hundred or a billion cattle. Is that even possible? <laughs> okay, imagine there's a billion cattle available for a son. And then this son, God tells this son of his that you're going to inherit all of this. And then this son one day 
gets through a situation where Satan pushes them to the mind and idea of need and how limited resources are, this son asks and then the father gives him two of the million or billion cattle. And then this son starts to testify every day of how God, my father gave me two cows. Can you believe my father is so rich? Because there are many, many people on the face of the earth who don't have cows. More than 400 million people on the continent of Africa live below a dollar shillings a day. Did you know that? They live below a dollar shillings a day. More than 400 million. If you have assets worth to about $4,000, right? That is minus um, loans. Eh? So if you have land, property, or money, minus anything worth about $4,000, you're already richer than 50% of the population on the earth. Can you believe it? What is four times three? Twelve, right? So if you have anything of 12, 13 million and above, Ugandan shillings, you're richer than more than half of the population on the face of the earth. People are poor. People are poor. If you have assets worth more than $700,000 and above, you are in the 0.5 richest people on the face of the earth. If you have anything below. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's how serious it is. So the gap becomes narrow as you know, wealth goes up. There are not many people. You don't have more than six million people on the face of the earth and they own a million dollars and above. There are not more than six million on the face of 7.5 billion people on the face of the earth. Poverty is a spirit. Poverty is a spirit. There's a difference between those who have and those who don't. But do you understand what I'm saying? Now, back to what I'm trying to tell you, that how much do we have in God versus how much we think or assume to have because of how much the gospel has been convoluted and coagulated. It has been changed and twisted in shape and form and broken of its substance and, and, and grace and understanding that, that we think we have what really is not even a fraction of what we really have in God. Because many of us don't know what it means to have the life of God and what it means to carry the full presence of God on our lives. But that's only shortly. That's why I said one day all will heal. One day the church will come to the full knowledge. Full, full knowledge. Where you get in a meeting of a million people and some are watching online and then there's 100,000 sick people and all get healed. Why? Because the promise is there. In the last days, knowledge shall be increased. What is the essence of why God wants to increase knowledge? That he will grow faith. And when faith grows, of course the results of faith will follow, even as the gifts will transpire. One day I believe that by the time the rapture comes, it's not only going to be an experience that is going to happen because of the time of God, but it's going to be an experience that is going to coincide with the knowledge in the church. Men will know too much until immortality is swallowed up. 
Hallelujah. Until what is natural becomes spiritual. Until what is terrestrial becomes celestial. And our bodies will be lighter than the terrestrial. Before you know it, they'll be caught up. The language used for caught up means that there is a force that will pull them up. Why? Because they'll be less dense than gravity. Philip gave us an example, a typical example in the Christian story. How can a man with flesh and blood disappear out of thin air and is found in Azotus? This man was breathing oxygen like you and I. He was bred and raised by a woman and he was breastfed like anybody else. He lived a normal life, but he got exposed to the fullness of this life. And one day after putting a new lunac in the water and coming out, the man disappeared out of thin air because purpose demanded him to be as at Azotus faster than his body could carry him. And this, ladies and gentlemen, happened after the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And that same life in Philip is inside you. How much are you able versus how much you assume you are able how much reality has, has come according to truth to the church of how much we are able to do versus how much the devil has deluded us into assuming. You know, Satan, he has created an idea and a mind of ignorance on us and many, many believers uh, in the mind of limitation. And sometimes we testify in what is limited and assume that that is the fullest when the Bible says you can, the Bible is dangerous. How can he say you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you? All things? How can he say that with God all things are possible? What a bold statement. What a bold statement. How can he say that with God all things are possible? All. What do you mean all? Let me run my imagination once wild. What do you mean all? What do you mean all things are possible? You mean right now my, my body can change into a certain form? Is that possible? You mean a whole continent can sink in water? Is that possible? No, 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 no. Why do you say no? You see, when he says with God, with God, you see, when he says with God, with God, he didn't say to God. No, he says with God. He's talking of an entity, one individual ex having a certain mind with God and the two of them agree upon touching something. Do you understand what I'm saying? He requires a certain mind. The only challenge we're dealing is with it now, up to now in this dispensation, we're still trying to cipher the light. What is the true light of the glorious gospel? And what is the assumed light of what men say is and isn't? And Satan has understood that because he knows the power of light. The Bible says in Genesis, the earth was without form, it was void, and darkness hovered over the face of the earth. What is the word there for darkness? Ignorance. 
That means without, with ignorance, there is nothing on the earth. Everything is empty. Everything is nothingness. There is nothing moving on. And God needed to create like you and I. What did he do? He's the first thing he said. He said, let there be light. Because he can only create under light. Without create. Somebody shout hallelujah. Without light, God cannot create. He could not create anything. He could not create anything. I'm not talking about the light of day that you see. That's Genesis 1.14, where he says, and then he created firmaments in the sky for the sun to rule by the day and the stars to rule by the night. And he says, and this shall be for signs, for seasons, for days and years. That light, this sunlight, the moon, the stars and all that stuff, that's Genesis 1.14. That was created way later. The real light that was created in Genesis 1.3 was the light under which he could make all things and create all things. That means without a certain light, you cannot create. So when Satan says that he is an angel, he transforms himself as an angel of light. He has also drawn a certain distinction of light and there are many Christians who don't tell the difference. And under that light too, he creates realities. But those realities are deception. And the end of those realities is to kill, steal, and destroy. But the light of the glorious gospel is come that you might have life and life to the fullest. So you better examine yourself that in everything you believe God to create, under which light are you creating? Are you creating under the light of the glorious gospel? Or are you creating under the light which was which is of the delusional deceiver, Satan. Because he's creating light too. And there are many things that stand on our pulpit as light of the glorious gospel. Because we quote scripture, it's not enough for us to say that that is the light of the glorious gospel. The light of the glorious gospel creates things that are immeasurable. Again, I tell you, under this light, everything you see was created. And that has given reality to the man of the body. Because spirits don't have, they don't have potency to function on the earth without the body. Even Satan, he needed to use a body to tempt he had to enter a serpent. He could not do it in the air. There's something, oh, then the, 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 the demon spoke in the air. That thing doesn't exist. Those are just things that they, they, they hit in Africans to think, Satan, no spirit has access to the earth to function without a body. It needs a body. Who is following what I'm saying? It needs a body. Now, so when we're now going to the place of ciphering of this light, you realize that the, now the challenge is knowledge. The challenge is knowledge. Because when we get to know as God wants us to know, as we ought to know, a lot in our spirits is open to realities beyond man could ever. Some of us are, you know, when I start to even think of the responsibility that we have because of the creature that we are in God, it baffles me. Human beings are the only creation on the face of the earth that have consciousness to paradigm. Who knows what paradigm is? I'll explain what paradigm is. You know where you are on the face of the earth. Other animals don't. Lions don't know that they're in Africa. Lizards can't tell that they're in Europe. Snakes don't understand that they're in Ireland. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, snakes in Ireland. I'm told St. Patrick's chest them away. 
Okay. Snakes can't tell that they're in Russia. <laughs> but but I, do you understand what I'm saying? And that's the truth. But we know where we are on the face of the earth. God has given us ability to transcend into the four facets of influential power. We have conquered the land. We have conquered the sea. We have conquered the air. And we have conquered the space. Are you following what I'm saying? We have satellites in the space. Flights are in the air. Men are underwater in submarines. We've conquered the earth. He could not give you the earth to subdue and replenish it and fill it if you were not above it. Some of you think that because you are on earth, therefore you're of the earth and your portion is of the earth. No, your place is not earth. He says, even though we are in the earth, we are not of the earth. We are above us. When we come to earth, we have great responsibility to, to replenish, to subdue. We have power over the fowls of the air, over the fishes of the sea. We have dominion over this living thing and everything that moves upon the earth. Does a virus move? Does a bacteria move? What doesn't move? Does a snail move? You have authority and dominion over that. So if you have authority and dominion over that, better see yourself the way God sees you. He doesn't see you as that tiny speck in the universe walking on the face of the earth because again, if they compare the human body with the galaxy and the planets that they are, that men are discovering, oh my God, you would be a tiny speck. Are you hearing me? But then how can a little tiny speck be responsible for a continent bigger than it except he knows that the figure of this individual spiritually is bigger than the earth? Somebody shout hallelujah. Years ago, I've moved up to about the eighth dimension of the spirit. And I can tell you each one of them. But even if I tell it, many of you won't judge it if you're not there. I've moved up to about the eighth dimension. I've seen, I've glimpsed the ninth tenth, but I'm still studying it. I cannot fully say that I'm qualified to say much, but I've glimpsed in it. When I started to see the fundamental realities of the fifth dimensional truths of the spirit, again, like I said, when you start speaking of the oracles, right? Paul speaks of the first principles of the oracles of God, the secondary principles. He says, therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. The first, some versions use the first principles, the first. Those basics, right? There are things in God that are way bigger, right? We're laying, these are foundational. He says laying again the foundation, which this means they are the first ones of repentance from dead works, of faith toward God, of the resurrection of the dead. They are, those are principles. Those are firstlies. Those are foundational. There are many things that start to take you up as you walk in God. You see, you see that God is bigger than healing. But to some people, he's just a healer and that's it. God is bigger than financial breakthrough. God is bigger, way bigger than that deliverance you're believing God for. And Satan has convinced believers to simply stay there. Believe for healing all your life and die either healed or not. Believe for your deliverance. That's why when you get to the realities of those things, you realize to God they are not progressional. They are finished work. He healed you. Let's not even talk about it. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
Let's not even talk about your wealth. No. For that reason, I became poor. That through my poverty, Jesus says, you might become rich. Let's not even talk about wealth. Oh, children. He says, none among them shall be buried. Not even their cattle. Can we not talk about that? In Zion, none among them shall be sick. Can we even not talk about, you realize that human need was dealt with long ago. It's not even in the reality of the procession that we take in understanding maturity in Christ. Albeit Satan has convinced the church to stay there. There are many people who come to the presence of God just to get a house. There are many people who have come to service because they have a debt. There are some who have come to pray because they want a car, because they are believing God for a job, because they are tired of struggling. There are some who are here because they are believing God for a certain man. And there are some who are here and they are believing God for a certain woman. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, months ago there is a fellow who came in the church. <laughs> He told me, he showed me some girl and he said, the Lord has told me that's my wife. But the guy had come consistently for like four months. Consistent guy. Every funeral, the guy has a pen on the paper like this. So one time he made his move and then approached the dear woman. He told her about things. And then the girl came and told me, Apostle, some chigai. I said, why do you call him a chigai? No, 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 no. He, he's strange. But he said that I'm his wife. So I said, uh-huh, so. Far from me, far from me, far from me. So I told him, then break the news to him. So she went and broke the news to him. The fellow didn't return in Fanel. <laughs> what was he looking for? Uh, answer me, what was he looking for? <laughs> he wasn't seeking God. When the voice of God diverted, You know, some of us, there is a way we take God. That's why some of you will never see the fullness of God because your heart is not pure. Why are you here? Why are you serving? Why are you in the ministry? Why are you giving? Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you doing it for God or you or you nakamathko? Or inechibalocho? Do you understand what I'm saying? Eh? And everybody takes God a certain way. Why do you go to church? Do you understand? Why do you pray? Why do you seek God? Because they whose hearts are pure, they shall see the Lord. That's why some people don't see God. Their hearts are not pure. Their motives are wrong. And do, go prayer mountain, do everything. You'll wake up one day and you're 60 and you'll remember these words very painfully. That's how Satan has taken us. We all, many people come to the presence of God because of very small understandings. Let me tell you, every human need has been met in the gospel. Every human need has been met in the gospel. Our, 
when the psalmist says that one thing that I long for and desire is that I may dwell in the house of the days of, my, uh, my, the, days of, of the Lord all my life forever, beholding his beauty and inquiring in his courts, we are not even the kind that inquire anymore. We know all things. The Bible says we know all things. We have an unction from on high. So we are not of the inquiry. We are of the musers. We go around the spirit and get amazed at things. We get blown by the reality of things that we already know in God. They're deep in there, but they just need to be stirred up and that's why every individual needs understanding that's why we give you understanding that we will bring reality to 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 reconcile what God has already ordained and is in you and is available for you in Christ. When you are still seeking God, when you go in his presence only for healing, you have not yet known God. When you go in his presence only for a job, a car, a man, a house, a de- and, and what if it delays? What if you don't see it immediately? What are you going to do? There are, there are people who don't even want to talk to God now. They're funny. Imagine a creator is looking at this creature and this creature says, don't tell me about God. Don't like time up, X generation. Like, like I don't want to know. Dude, don't tell me. You look at this. So what do you know, 15 year old, 14, 12, 20, 30, right? But don't tell me about God. Why? Because things didn't go your selfish way. You understand? Like the universe has to pause to provide for your selfish plan. Or else everybody dies. You kill everyone, you, even God, you kill God. You kill God out of your heart. You know those people, I either have it my way or I destroy it. You know those kinds of people, I either, it either goes my way or I, I destroy. I, what spirit are you? How can you say you don't have a relationship with God anymore because something didn't work the way you wanted it to work? Why are you with God? Right? Don't come to church only to believe God for things that are human needs. You're a spirit. For if any man being Christ is a new creation, there is more. Of course, believe you're healed. Fight it out if you're struggling with something. Believe you're rich. Struggle it out when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're endeavoring for some. But it's not your agenda of why you come in the presence. No. When you pursue God and his righteousness is on you, all these things get added. There is something that attracts the things some of you are seeking for. And that is why on life you will see there are people who have what you're looking for and they've not sought it the way you're seeking for it because they know where to look. They know who to look to. He's called Jesus. is the author and the finisher of their faith. One young man walked to me and said, Apostle, when I look at how many years and everything I've lost, I, he was in drugs and many years of loss, everything had died through him. And he said, where do I begin from? And I told him, let me tell you where to end from. Let me not tell you where to begin from. I told him, look at your life and the end is the Lord. And if the end is the Lord, simple, just serve him. Live for him inquire I mean invest in knowing him put your time and efforts in simply learning about him ignore everything that is surrounding you 
these things will come together because all things work together for good for them that love the Lord and they are called according to his purpose. Satan has a way of diverting your thought to take you back on what you need, what is working, what isn't working, what is in your house, what isn't in your house. Apostle, I've come for prayer but I don't even know what I'm going to eat today. It is strength to know that there is no meal in your room but you fix your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith for the Bible is very clear that he is held in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. You know what it means for the mind to be stayed? It means regardless of whatever is shaking, my mind is on Christ. What is there to teach me? There's a young man who came to me a couple of months ago and he told me, you know one time you preached about knowing God and what it means to be one with God and during that time he said I was very conscious of what I lacked, what I didn't have, what was there and what, what wasn't there. And then he says many times, two or three times, he found his property outside of the door and the landlord had closed him out. Many times he slept in his room and he did not have a meal to eat and he would boil water and sometimes boil nothing and just sit in that room. And he said, Apostle, I made up my mind that I will never beg a man. And I said, let them find my coffin in the house. But I had to learn to believe God. And he says he would wake up every day without a meal in his house and kill himself from the consciousness. Finds himself raising his hands. And man, the Lord changed the guy's life. Recently, he was testifying to me about the things God has done for him. He now regrets why he even worried at any one point. Let me tell you, position yourself where God is. Not because you want him to come through on the need you have, but because you're convinced that he knows your every need and he has made it in Christ, whether you see it or don't. You're going to see how your life changes. Many of us, the reason why our life is stuck it is because it is in the wrong way. Our heart is in the wrong place. Our thoughts are in the wrong direction. Fix your eyes on God. Fix your eyes on God. So now we have limited God to what we have, the job, the car, and all of those things are wonderful, mark you. But those things even non-believers have. The Bible says he gives bread and rain even to the heathen. The testimony of the gospel is bigger than anything a Saudi Arabian Muslim could ever say. The gospel of, the, of Jesus Christ is bigger than anything Bill Gates will ever speak. But there are people who would rather listen to Bill Gates than the gospel because their God is money. Who is following what I'm trying to tell you? How much is the peace that passes all understanding? Tell me the price of peace. Now you tell me how much peace costs. Have you ever been there and there is nothing to show? Nanga, your heart is full of peace. Do I have a witness? Nobody can buy that. Nobody can buy that. Nobody can buy that. What is the price of divine health? Tell me what is the price of divine health. Steve Jobs, if there was money to buy life, Steve had it. But Steve died. How much can you buy? Do you understand what I'm saying? Tell your neighbor I'm rich. How much can you buy righteousness? You tell me how much righteousness is. 
how much can you go to a shop and what is the price of the righteousness of God imputed through faith? The most expensive things, the priceless things are free. There was no amount of money you could pay. That's why I wonder when men preach of righteousness of works, no amount of money you could pay for the best gifts in God. The Bible says he gives these gifts freely. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. And then I, my heart, when I said to see in the fifth dimension, the biggest reality that came to me was how small the earth was. How limited the world was. When you get into that reality, there are certain battles you never fight anymore, or certain people. Because they also fit in the speck of the smallness of earth. How many decisions are being made on the face of the earth right now? You understand what I'm saying? So, does somebody think that by destroying you, earth has stopped, heavenly economies have stopped, God has stopped? You understand? Earth became so small. The fundamental truths of the fifth dimension is you get the reality of what man calls paradigm and years to travel becomes only but short spaces and little time. You learn the redemption of time. You learn what it means to do in a short time what men take years to do. That's how Philip could disappear and appear in another place. That's the power that was on him to raise a Ethiopian eunuch. Yet at the second moment, he needed to be in Azotus to preach another gospel. And within, he was not limited. Why? Because understanding and knowledge were available. How much can we do when the fullness of knowledge is here and in our spirits? Who is understanding what I'm saying? Again, that's the question. What does the veil turn between two mean? That's why many of us must understand the fullness of what it means to be a minister of God. John said the things Jesus did, if they were to be put in books, the world would not contain them. What we read is what is written. It's not everything. The holistic ministry of Jesus that preserves the name and the testimony to present day 2019, and we're talking about him until the end of ages. Why he's the ancient of ages? Why this darling of heaven, he did many things on the earth, but John looked into these things. That man saw things. The book, of the, the book of Revelation is revelation, not revelations. It's revelation, the revelation of Jesus. When John looked into these things and he saw the, how much Jesus did, he realized if he was to take time to write, even the books would, the, the world would not contain the books. Not only in their volume, but in the power that should come from every line of knowledge. Imagine a man going in the presence of God and he says, Father, I want to indulge with these realities that you did and the books of, if they were to be written, the world will not contain. I looked into something years ago. After looking into that thing, the Lord told me you will never, there will never be a time you'd run out. Let me tell you, I will always be deep. 
If you have known me for five years, I have always been deep. No, so I'm going to pastor you for years. Look at the 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years in ministry, 60, I will, 70, I'll always be deep. Because I fetched from somewhere. Do you understand what I'm saying? That place will tell you. That's why I wonder a man who opens the Bible and he has nothing to preach and then he starts to attack another fellow minister. How can you... You understand, people think eh, that Fanero eh, is just a group of excited people. They just get excited and they scream, then they tell them sin and then they scream, young men, mama, do you know how many old people are here? Do you know how many people are parents in this room and they've carried their children too in the same meeting? You think they're telling them to take them to sin? No. It's bigger than that. Ministry is bigger than Sunday service, Thursday preachings and crusades and conferences. This is just a little nip of the bigger thing in Christ. So when we're talking about ministry, which Paul calls the high calling with which you're called in Christ, our responsibility of the things we are doing in the spirit far, far outweighs the few 30 minutes and 40 you're listening to me right now. We will never have enough time to say it all when you're there. But when you're not there, every sermon is harder. You'll prepare a sermon for one month and it will still not be perfect. But what about the business person with his mind? What about the career person with his mind? What about the scientist with his mind? What are the possibilities are you, are you hearing what I'm trying to say? Could you think for a moment to see the bigger picture of why you are in Christ? Could you see a picture bigger than your personal need and which need God has actually guaranteed that everything has been dealt with? You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place in Christ. You've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. Such that the beginning of our relationship, the beginning of our conversation, the beginning of our, our fellowship does not begin from anything that pertains to life and godliness. It begins from the deeper things which are in him. For you to know him. The eternal life. To know the one true God and his only son Jesus. But we've zeroed it on the small thing. Oh, when it was healing movement, they thought God was only a healer. Oh, they only focused on the healing. And that was okay because that was the dot he needed them to feel. To put on the eye, the T he wanted them to cross. But this was just one letter of the sentence of the book of the testimony of the story and the many books which are all the word. And all of this was not possible if the veil was not torn. Because the veil gave us access to this presence and this presence revealed all of these things we're speaking. Believe me, the things we are saying, the Isaiahs could not say. The Ezekiels could not say. They saw, but they could not articulate the way we are articulating. Why? Because now we are where the high priest used to go. Remember in the earlier times when the high priest, the only person that's allowed in the Holy of Holies, all he could go there to do was to deal with the sin of man. That was all God could relate with man. He could only relate to the intent of dealing with sin. But now, by one man's sacrifice, that one sacrifice, he has dealt with sin. So 
sin has been, this sacrifice, eh? he speaks of a sacrifice. He says, it has been given once and for all. That means when we go in the Holy of Holies, we are not talking about sin and the consequences of sin, which is death of anything. Yes, thank you, 10.10. He says, we're all sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. As if we're never going to stand again in the Holy of Holies and God says, you're a sinner. Huh? Every time we go there, holy. Now, if we now have access in the same place the priest used to enter, and he only used to enter to deal with sin, and now we are there without sin. What, are, what conversation are we to have there? Somebody think about it. What conversation are we to have there? Deeper stuff. Tell your neighbor deeper stuff. And all of this was possible. Because the veil was torn. In Ephesians he says, 15, by abolishing in his own flesh, crucified the enmity of the law with its decrees and ordinances, he from the two wanted to create in himself one new man and the amplifier says one new quality of humanity that when men look at you they say yes you look like a human being but your quality is different you're a different creature you're a different woman you're a different child you're a different man you're a different girl you're a different individual you're not the same person like these individuals who are walking the face of the earth there's a quality that we have because he gave us access to the presence. So this Resurrection Sunday, while you celebrate resurrection, why am I talking about his death, yet we are celebrating resurrection? Because this experience of the tearing of the veil is one of the most expedient experiences in the resurrection life. It benefits the resurrection. How much do you know? And how much is available for you simply because he tore the veil for you? Get to your feet. I want you to speak words. I feel the power and the presence of God. Every time I speak like this, oh, I feel like demonstrating the power. Somebody speak in other tongues. This is the reason. Come on, speak in other tongues. Speak in other tongues. Just speak, just speak. Just speak. Rendo Just speak. Just speak. Thank God for Easter. Sorry, uh, Resurrection Sunday. Thank God for His death and resurrection. Thank God for his death. Thank God for his suffering. Thank God for his crucifixion. Thank him that he did not stay there. Thank God because the veil was torn in two, two. And now we have access. Come on, speak to him. Come on, talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. We are the reason that He gave His life. We want the reason that He suffered and died to 
tell him. We want the reason that he gave his life. We want the reason that he suffered and died to a world that was lost. He gave all he could do to show us the reason to live. Come and talk to him, Rendo Kosha. just a banker, business person, a career man, a family person, a business, a, a preacher, a minister, a, an engineer, or whatever you are. You're more than that. You're more than that. The veil was torn from top to bottom. You have access to the highest level and grace of his presence on the earth. Because his presence is available to you, you can do many things. May God make this a reality in your life. Holy Spirit, touch somebody. Open somebody's eyes. Open somebody's reality. Open somebody's experience. May they see. May they comprehend and fully understand. I want you to give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Come on, clap your hands to Jesus. Clap him with a thanksgiving offering and say, God, this is the reason I'm alive. You've showed me the reason to live and how to live this life. Come on, clap your hands to him. Clap your hands to him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you're here and you've never
never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity. I want to extend an open invitation for you to make one of the greatest decisions your life has ever made. You are the reason why he died. You are the reason why he suffered and shed his blood. Salvation means God. I accept you. I accept that gift. Thank you, Lord. You're going to repeat these words after me. Um, this is the best decision you could ever make in your life. The best decision you could ever make in your life. Say, Lord Jesus, with a heart a man believes and the mouth confesses. Tonight, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, you are my Lord. My life has changed. I can never be the same again. Amen.